You're listening to Lights Out, where we'll talk about all things Formula One. From racecraft and strategy, to politics on and off the grid, and just about everything else in between. This is our call to the girls, gays, and theys who might have never considered themselves sporty, that now is the time to get into sports. Or at least this sport. And to the guys, welcome to the ladies' locker room. We're your hosts. I'm Kate. My name is Kennedy. And with that, it's Lights Out. And away we go. Yeah, that was great. Cool. Lovely lighting. <laughs> I'm Kennedy, and um, Formula One ruined my life. July 2019. That was a big summer. I had been bullied <laughs> into watching Drive to Survive on Netflix mm-hmm. by my parents. Yeah. Um, I was like, Formula One, don't you mean NASCAR? It's fine. Mm-hmm. We don't, I'm not interested. And then they wore me down. Oh, so I'm Kate. I would say Formula One really started to disrupt my life uh, maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago. I similarly got into Formula One through Drive to Survive. Mm-hmm. Um, the Netflix docuseries, which we highly recommend to absolutely anybody, even if you have no interest in any kind of sport at all. It's just a really well done docuseries. But I, my father was like, I was living with my parents at the time for the edification of the audience. Um, and my father was like, oh, do you want to, do you want to watch this Netflix series with me? And I was like, yeah, I need to, I'll try like bonding with this man. Like, you know, we have a good relationship, but we don't share any hobbies. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. We can probably watch this. And Netflix really leads off that whole series yeah. with this long close up shot of Daniel Ricardo. I, I, was... and in that moment, I was like, am I a sports fan? <laughs> Do I like this? <laughs> am I about to become obsessed with this? You're like, oh, no, 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 no. This just like, came out of a joke of you and I just wanting to be in a press room and like ask just like disarming questions yeah like, nothing about race analysis just being I like, just want to know like what moisturizer does Lewis Hamilton use yeah yeah is he coming out with his own skincare line yeah Daniel I'm Ricardo, desperate to know are you are you utilizing the curly girl method or like yeah are you a natural how, yeah natural curl perm a- yeah and then it wasn't until I think like three months later you text me you're like hey uh you remember about like us joking about that podcast how is serious that, are you is that really something you so do are you dead ass or i mean as i said i don't half-ass anything <laughs> i'm whole assing this podcast it's been great to have you to talk to through last season and to get your perspective on racing and on all the team dynamics I was pleased as punch to get our lovely producer, Sophie, deeply invested in Drive to Survive (laughs) over this quarantine between the end of last season and right now, such that she agreed to produce a podcast on it. I did that thing. I really did. Hi, guys. My name's Sophie. I am going to be acting as the race engineer for this podcast. These ladies, uh, Kate and Kennedy, are going to introduce you to what that is in the F1 world in a little bit. But basically, I'm here to get these ladies back on track when they go off on their little tangents, as they they definitely will. I'm here to make real punny jokes and just keep everything moving. So that all said, at this moment, I'm going to have Kate and Kennedy let you know what this podcast is all about, why we're doing it, and who it's for. Um, Later in this episode, they'll give those of you who would like it a little F1 101 to get you a little bit more versed in this thing we're talking about. All right, sweet, let's go. Put it in drive, girls. Okay, so before we go any further, we just want to let our listeners know super clearly that... For us, the whole point of doing this podcast really is just to expand sort of the world of the F1 audience and welcome some people in who might feel kind of intimidated by the more traditional F1 fan base, especially given that it's really, really male dominated. You know, while we'll always be pleased to have straight male listeners along for the ride, Our mission is to welcome a lot more women, you know, the girls, the gays, the theys, but generally just people 
into a space where they can enjoy the universe of this amazing sport with us, where together we can feel comfortable to express our love for Formula One the way that we want to and to not feel pressure to edit ourselves for the benefit of a typical Formula One fan. So we really, we hope, basically, we really hope to be your F1 enthusiast guides. The BFFs that you DM every update that Formula One posts on Instagram. And essentially, your hype girls, so that every single time a driver drops a new cute selfie to their grid or to their stories, we want to be there. Because we're watching. We're definitely (laughs) watching. So let's get back into it. I was like a quiet fan of Formula One, Mm -hmm. um, really leading up to the 2020 season because I'd I'd watched season one of Drive to Survive, which covered um, the 2018 season. I tuned into the 2019 season and then seriously followed the 2020 season. Mm -hmm. But I remember mentioning Formula One to you when you were, you would come over to my house. I think it was like the first time you'd ever been at my house. and I was like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm into Formula One. And, you, I, and I'm like, it's it's like elite racing. And Kate was like, I know. <laughs> and I was like, you, you're a believer too? What? Um, and our poor other friends who were there, they were like, they were like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? about? Like, but we just, we just nerded out and, you know, really like got deep into it. And, um, it's truly just bonded us, I think, in a way that um, this quarantine has brought a lot of people together. But mm-hmm. quarantine plus Formula One, whole nother level. Yeah. Locked for life. Yeah. So yeah. our goals for this podcast, my goals for this podcast. I want more people like me to talk about Formula One with. Because, you know, looking at all of the, the media coverage, the like Instagram community god help us all the reddit community surrounding the sport Mm -hmm. is so it doesn't feel like people that i want to discuss this sport with like something that i love so much yeah it's like not a community i feel comfortable in yeah and i want everyone i want more people to love the sport as much as i do but i think people like me won't get into it if they don't think that there's a space for them right i also just feel like A lot of people in this community have really serious opinions and stances on existing drivers and Mm -hmm. existing lineups and that kind of thing. And that's great. But as someone who is somewhat newer to the sport and is trying to learn about these 20 people who participate in this like elite high intensity level of of racing um it's really difficult to be like oh well i'm i think so and so did a really great job and not have the person you're talking to bite your head off because you said oh i really like lewis hamilton Mm -hmm. or oh Mm -hmm. or or you know i think haas is doing what they can yeah and and so there's just like a lot of a lot of opinions and people are welcome to their own perspective but i just think it, that's that kind of turns me off a little bit. I like want more of a community, and I want to be able to talk and dialogue and um, get excited about things that I think for maybe some long-standing and existing fans is like a little passe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely some cynicism I think in the community about you know, particularly among longtime fans who have decades of knowledge about the sport intense micro detail i also think that's something it's like the fake gamer girl thing it's like fake sports fan like if you don't know if you can't name every race michael schumacher ever won you're like not enough of a fan and i think it's part of the whole women to be a, a sports fan you're expected to enjoy sports the way a man does yes and ignore your femininity and ignore how your perspective is differently informed because of who you are and your gender and i don't want to enjoy sports the way that a man does i don't watch formula one from the same perspective that my dad watches formula one and i don't think i should have to and i think you know there's there's richness to 
having those different perspectives and sharing them and being like, yeah, this sport is really cool and the engineering of the cars is absolutely incredible. But I also watch this sport because a lot of these dudes are really, really hot. Yeah. And that draws me to the sport and it keeps me interested. And like, if teams didn't know and care about that, they wouldn't look for young, hot drivers to put on their Instagram. Are we doing this because we like Formula One or are we doing this so we can put it on our dating profiles? I'm doing it for both reasons. (laughs) And that's valid. And I think I need to be recognized for that. I think for myself personally, I'd been a fan of like, cars but but i would never have considered myself like a car girl or or even you know i enjoyed racing but i wasn't really into like street racing or that kind of thing and a lot of the time when i started to realize that like i really liked formula one i didn't want to tell people that i liked it Mm -hmm. i specifically didn't want to tell men why i liked formula one because i didn't want to be like questioned or prodded or like oh you're not a real fan because you don't know how total wolf the team principal of mercedes takes his coffee mm-hmm. like like just like all these details and things and i felt like i would be shamed mm-hmm. so i really liked to be able to connect with you but also like i want to connect to a community of people who are like damn like i too don't ever want to tell things to straight white men because <laughs> because I'm concerned that they're going to like quiz me for a, po- a a test that I haven't studied for. Yeah. Um and I think that that's really important that we find spaces and communities where we can just like talk freely about that kind of stuff and it's kind of funny to be talking about being a fan of a sport mm-hmm. in this way but like yeah, I don't want to be schooled by someone. I just want to enjoy what I want to enjoy. So that's that quote from Parks and Rec where like men really love it when you do their favorite thing better than they do. <laughs> and that's what I plan to do is I plan to be a better fan of F1 than any man ever than could. any man could be. Yeah. I I'm mean, just saying those men will never <laughs> love a driver the way I will. Yeah. Oh, I think God. there's like a an attention to detail that yeah. I just possess yeah. that I feel like most general fans don't. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, can they tell you how many drivers wore cream sweater on their social media <laughs> profiles this week? I think not. I love a cream sweater as much as the next girl. Shout out to Chris Evans and Knives Out. But ladies, let's get back on track. Let's let our audience know what the heck this sport even is. Thank you. So before we drop into F1 101 and a background primer on what is the sport and how does it work, there's one thing that I want to address right off the bat, which is Kennedy and I are enthusiasts. We're not experts. So I can already sense that a couple of you might be down in our comments pointing out the little errors and little misspeakings that we might have. Um, And I just want to say it's gonna happen it'll keep happening and we will lovingly note in every episode description anything that we get wrong that you guys point out nothing wrong with that but we just kind of want to level set to say yeah we're gonna get some stuff wrong you know we're really interested in getting people excited about and engaged with the sport and a little bit less uh focused on making sure everything's exactly correct because that's just not our job so we will try and be as accurate as possible about everything we say but just know that yeah we'll make little mistakes here and there and hopefully you guys will uh not be too bothered by it when we maybe mess something up so let's get into it for our lovely listeners who don't already know what formula one is and have never seen or maybe even never heard of formula one racing before The most basic primer we can give, Formula One is the highest level of motorsport in the world. So American listeners, which is probably most of you, um, you've heard of NASCAR, you've seen NASCAR, cars go around a loop track, turning left. 
But so that is NASCAR. So Formula One, it is international racing. Most of the races take place in Europe, but they also take place, you know, all over the world. There's a race in the U.S., there's races increasingly, lots and lots of races in Asia and the Middle East, races in South America, Mexico. And so it's really, it is all over the place, Um, though most of the teams are based in Europe, in Western Europe. Okay, so there are only 20 drivers in the entire world who race in Formula One, Mm -hmm. and they compete on 10 teams, each with two drivers. So you technically have a teammate, but everyone drives their own car, their single-seater vehicles. So your teammate is both your competitor as well as your colleague. These 10 teams made up of two drivers, what they're competing for is a world championship title. We have a range of 20 to 24 races per season, and whoever gains the most points out of all those opportunities is the winner. The individual teams and all the mechanics and the the leaders of the, the management and that kind of thing, they're competing in something called the Constructors Championship. Um, so the Constructors are the people who build and put the car together, which is something that's part of being a Formula One team. You have to construct your own vehicle. Um, They are counting on the rankings and the race results of the drivers to factor into how many points they as constructors are getting. And by the end of the season, whoever, based on the results of their two drivers, earns the most constructors points, wins. The way that Formula One works, based on how you rank in your Constructors Cup, you're awarded a certain amount of money. So the difference between third and fourth place is like millions of dollars. And that money is factored into what they can put into their business to build the next and better model of the car for the next season. And as well for drivers... To win the world championship, obviously you get the title and you get to tell everyone you're world champion, but every race comes with prize money. You don't just get a trophy for getting one, two, or three. You don't get, just for getting on the podium, you get a trophy, but you also, there's prize money associated with every race and there's prize money associated with your standings in the driver's championship. So there's additional incentive for drivers to perform in that way, as well as the better you drive, the better you perform in the driver's championship, the better and more lucrative deals you can get with teams. So either you can move to a team that's more competitive, that has a better car, willing to pay you more, whatever, and as well as you can draw more and better sponsors, which again, gives you as a driver or your team as a whole, more money and more flexibility to develop a better car to keep you winning. Yep. Which that factors into exactly what kind of talent they're looking for and making sure that between the driver and the constructor themselves, like it is a true partnership Mm -hmm. because there's so much at stake for both sides. So we've told you there's 20 drivers, there's 10 teams, and we already know based on how you place at the end of a season, the teams aren't on a level playing field. The better you do, the more money you've gotten. So who are these 10 teams? We'll go through the top three, we'll say. So Mercedes is the, at this point, largely undisputed champions. Um, They have won seven consecutive championships. So for most of the last decade, Mercedes has been the team to beat. The next sort of most powerful as of the 2020 season at least would be red bull technically red bull has two teams um within formula one but they do race separately so red bull racing being their alpha team their best team and then i think for our third team we would say as much as 2020 was a maybe rebuilding year for them in some ways ferrari yeah is you know the long time sort of used to be a top team for many years has won many many drivers and constructors constructors world championships a lot of people when they think about formula one they think of like 
the iconic brand of Ferrari, that like red car, red jumpsuit, you know, winning the trophies, top of the podium. Um, Ferrari, up until quite recently, was taking the cake. So the top three teams, they have the most money, they have the best cars, they're really competing against each other. Mm -hmm. Everyone else, anyone who places below third place in Formula One, and probably in a lot of sports, um, is usually called best of the rest. And in Formula One, best of the rest is also the midfield. And that is really the home of most of the drama, most of the best racing That's why moments. You watch. It's the, yeah, it's the reason that you tune in every week because you know who's going to, you, you know, basically who's going to win a lot of the races. A lot of them, you, you know, without ever watching, you could predict. But the midfield is where the real housewives of Formula Um, One (laughs) really come out to play. Yeah, I think that respectfully to to Lewis Hamilton, (laughs) good God, man. (laughs) But I'm not watching to see Lewis win. I'm not watching for you. I'm happy for you. I want you to know that I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. I'm so pleased. This is a letter directly to Lewis. With your work. Um, I love everything you post on social. Yeah. Um, big fan. Big fan of your work. Big, massive fan. Um, <laughs> but we're not talking about you right now. Yeah, it's this is about the midfield. So, and also a point of, of additional information for our listeners. You only get points if you place in the top 10 in a race. At 11 through 20, you get no points at all for having been in the race. Like, you get a, you don't even get a participation sticker. You just get mocked by the commentators usually um depending depending on who you are but so yeah it's it's all to play for every week for everyone you're always trying to maximize points across your two cars in a team but as a driver you're always trying to maximize personal points so there's always going to be that conflict of my team wants me to do this it might benefit them but it's going to cost me potentially and that is where a lot of the intrigue really lies in the sport. And, you know, sometimes, certainly among teams, but sometimes even within teams, the drivers do not all get along. This is true. They, this is true. They don't all like each other. I and think, sometimes you can tell. Yeah, you can definitely tell. But this is, the, so this midfield area is really where you see, like, true strategy at play. Um, because whilst they're racing, you hear the engineers talking to the drivers themselves and letting them know, okay, insert driver name here, driver one, we're going to let you hang back so driver two can pass you. We've given you the opportunity to show us what you got, but we're looking for points. We're going for bronze. Um, <laughs> let's let's try let's try to like win here. Because I think at the beginning of the race, it's all about individual performance. But by the end of the race, it's ultimately what's best for the team. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's a good time for us to break into a Formula One team is more than just the driver. They're the most visible member of the team um, and arguably the most important in that they're the one in the car. Um, But there's a couple other really key players that you sort of need to know to understand to watch a race to listen to a race so one of them being the team principal the team principal sits um they're the person who decides most of the strategy they're really in charge of the team both from like a business management perspective but also from a racing management perspective so they're the person who's responsible for all of that decision-making, responsible for driver lineup and managing driver lineup, working with with the team owner, sponsors, um, making sure that they're able to be, they're making the right business decisions that'll keep the lights on in the factory. I mean, these teams, we may see, you know, the two drivers and probably the team principal has spoken about um, with the drivers sort of in the same breath but there are hundreds of people employed to support these two superstars yeah to the two faces of a team it's also an important point to make um that some of the team principals also very hot yeah i i would say (laughs) and because they're not wearing helmets 
The eye candy on the pit wall, very important. Very important, very important. Keeping me engaged um, during a race. A little bit of even, Toto Wolf in even, a white, <laughs> in a white long sleeve. Toto Wolf, um, if, if you're listening, you haven't seen yet. Toto, Toto, if you're listening, <laughs> I just want you to know, I really, the Mercedes team kit, those white button downs, it's a great call. Please don't ever change. Mm. Don't ever go to the polo shirts. They're awful. And mm. please let everyone else in the paddock know that the polo shirts are really hindering F1 as a sport, in my opinion. Yeah, I would I would agree, um, simply because I personally don't look good in a polo. I would rather die than wear a polo shirt. Yeah, yeah. I used to work somewhere where I had to wear a polo shirt. That was like part of my uniform. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and when I quit, I threw all of them away. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would literally sooner die than wear a polo shirt, yeah. so... I just want to say at this moment, it looks like the only team that I could join would be Mercedes because except everyone who's not, you know what? That's not true. Everyone who's not on the pit wall for Mercedes has to wear those goddamn polo shirts. They wear the black polo shirts. I feel like I could request a different, yeah. I'd be like, Toto, different kit. Toto, baby, can I please? <laughs> can I please? I don't want to wear a button down because I also look bad in those. But like, yeah. Same. Can I just have like a like a performance hoodie or something? <laughs> performance, like but an Adidas, like a track up, roll jacket, up with like the little thumb holes. Like you're yeah. like, I'm ready. I'm gonna go jogging. <laughs> yeah. No. I so I the team principal going back to yeah getting back on track getting back on track. The team principal is you know the director, the producer. They're calling the shots. They're making sure that they're making the right decisions for the brand and team as a whole. Yep. And the the team principal is a member of the pit wall, as we say. The pits being where the cars come back when they get tires changed during a race, where they get maintenance done on them. The pit wall being where everyone from a team sits during the race to keep track of where their cars are, what their cars are doing, mm-hmm. monitor the race, make calls over the radio about what their drivers need to do. So team principal leads from the pit wall but the pits include a lot of other people many um technicians but i think probably um a standout that we need to recognize in terms of general knowledge is each driver has an engineer similar to um our producer sophie Mm -hmm. uh they're the ones you know sort of encouraging making sure that um the driver feels like they're on track uh letting them know about their tire pressure if there's any reason they would need to come in to correct something or even just keeping them informed as to where other drivers are on the track so they have an awareness of where they're at in the field yep and and race engineers are the only people who are allowed to talk to a driver during a race yep. a driver only has contact with one person in their team over the course of the race and you know the race engineers i would also say do a little bit of acting as therapists sometimes yeah, too definitely they are really known for these very calming very understated voices where they're communicating just the worst news to you just the news but they're gonna tell you just like this and they're gonna say keep pushing keep pushing lewis and lewis is gonna come on the radio and say ah these tires are dead these tires are dead pull me and they're gonna say keep pushing we're gonna do four more laps oh we love a race engineer shout out they're a personal favorite of mine surprise surprise ladies we've got about 35 more minutes let's keep pushing it's a really important relationship that um, a driver and an engineer fosters because in the heat of the moment you're all you're thinking about is where am i what am i doing how am i how am i placing oh i'm so mad or i'm so happy or whatever it can't what how can i dig deeper and your race engineer um is the one really pushing you through that the race engineer is also constantly getting inundated with information and opinions and commentary from everyone else on the team so all of the specific engineers who are looking only at the tires or only at the car aerodynamics or only at strategy of other teams to to counter plot the race engineer has to hear and listen to all of that work with the team principal to come to decisions on anything 
and then relay to the driver as quickly and concisely as possible because, of course, the driver moving at 280 miles an hour around the track does not have much time to chat. Yeah. Yeah, the engineers are really the eyes and ears of the driver because they're kind of in the zone and they're not able to really look up and look around. And so they rely on their engineer to help them look around corners and find opportunities. Pit crew, shout out. Shout out to the, the little crew. people. In let's be honest, <laughs> the pit crew is just like the rest of us. That's in every company I've ever worked, I am the equivalency of pit crew. Yeah. The juniors. Yeah. So pit crew being everyone who's there to maintain the car. The ones you see on track most often during a race are the ones who are there to swap out tires, swap out the front wing, any anything that they can fix over the course of a two-second pit stop yeah. um, are the people that you're going to see out on track during the race. But the pit crew does also include other mechanics um, who work on the car between sessions, before a race, after a race, fixing other major problems. But anything that's fixed during a race is usually just tires and front wing. Yeah, and I would say the pit crew themselves, uh, the people who are running out, you know, getting the tires ready, putting them on the vehicle or, or f- fueling up the car, whatever, those people, it's sort of, it's a high stakes game to be a driver, but it's also a high stakes game to be in the pit crew because there are injuries and there are things that can happen or um, it's a really coordinated effort and every second, every half second, millisecond, point, whatever of a second counts mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to these races. Yeah. I don't know if you recently have ever tried to lift a tire because I haven't or hadn't for a long time. I mean, and I was thinking just the other day, the tires that they use in F1 racing are so chunky and must be so heavy and they just like throw them around yeah. like it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, God, God didn't make me to... <laughs> lift tires or even do like crossfit like no um it's like god made me to be on a podcast he he built me to to type things and talk (laughs) for a living um you know but the work like the amount of you know prep and work and training that even a crew like you see them out there like jogging and like making sure that their blood is pumping and they're ready to go and like on mm-hmm. for the, mm-hmm. the hours of the race and they do worth mentioning you know they have to wear protective gear very similar to what the drivers are wearing yeah. so you know in some places if it's a little chilly they're racing in you know germany maybe that's fine but similar to the drivers when they're in singapore and it's 98 degrees and 10 billion percent humidity yeah. And they are all uh, wrapped up in their fire retardant suits and they're wearing big helmets and gloves. And these guys are sweating their asses off so that they can change tires in 1.8 seconds. It's insane. There are some exceptions, but you pretty much do it no matter what the weather's like. Um, and drivers themselves have been known to lose up to 10 pounds in a race just from sweating and just the force and everything that comes with being in a race. They are just under so much pressure physically. Just a quick note, don't forget about the sponsors. The sheer amount of dollars that goes into the sport is absolutely insane because it is, without a doubt probably one of the most watched international games not games but sports that anyone could watch yeah. any the the brand placement of having your name attached to a driver or a track mm-hmm. is worth millions of eyeballs it's crazy absolutely well and it's you know one thing that formula one is sort of known for that i find really funny uh and that we've joked about is the drivers will come off the track sweaty and exhausted like they've just exerted themselves themselves for three hours and they take off their helmet their safety gear the first thing they do they are handed by some brand manager they are handed the watch and the cap 
of their sponsor. Within moments of stepping off the track, you can be sure Sir Lewis Hamilton is wearing his Mercedes cap and he's wearing his Roly. 100%. Because that is how important sponsorships are in this sport. The cap and the watch always stays on. Yeah. Oh, they stay on. If you're hooking... Look... If I get if I get far enough to have personal experience with this, I will absolutely report back. But yeah, I'm suspicious. If nothing else, the watch stays on. The watch is printed on the gloves that they wear during the actual which, race, to be which honest, is incredible. It's so it's genius. Whoever came up with that, like I hope they got a raise because I every single time we're watching the onboards, watching the videos where you can see the driver's hands holding the steering wheel during a race. And every time I'm looking at that watch, I'm looking at the watch because it's so funny to me that's printed on there. And so the marketing is working. I mean, I'll never the buy a Rolex because like, I'm poor. Sure. Right. But but I'm looking at the watch and I'm talking about the watch. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I look at us. This is not sponsored, but you know. not spons. Please sponsor Rolex. Please sponsor us. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> My Rolex sponsorship on my F1 podcast. Oh my I promise, Rolex, I would never take it off. I promise. For for all all weather. Yeah, all weather watch. I don't think that's what Rolex really makes. My favorite. My they make favorite. a they make a sitting indoors watch. So a race weekend. Um, just to break down, really in a basic way, for the listener who has not watched um, F1, there's basically three or maybe four sort of major parts of a race weekend it really starts on thursday thursday is like a media day the teams do lots and lots of interviews the drivers every all the teams work on and release behind the scenes content usually on thursdays um no yeah it all kicks off there nobody gets in a car on thursday but teams are setting up Friday is the free practice day. So the cars, nobody's really racing each other, but everyone gets a chance to get out on track, see how their car's doing on that particular track, see how the tires that they've been given for that weekend are doing, um, you know, work on settings changes from week to week, all that type of thing. Yeah, Friday's a really important day because I think despite what their titles are as like race driver, um, they don't really spend that much time in the car outside of the actual weekends of races themselves Mm -hmm. you kind of have to like reacquaint yourself with the car because work has already been done throughout the week to either address issues or make improvements um throughout the season so every friday it's like getting into um a different vehicle so you have free practice sessions on friday on saturday is when you have qualifying qualifying is all of the drivers are trying to set the fastest possible lap so that they can start as close to the front of the grid the front of the race as possible Mm -hmm. um all of the drivers are out on track at the same time for qualifying but again nobody's really racing each other the idea or the goal of qualifying would be to find an open space on the grid uh, on the track so that you can do your flying lap your fastest lap without running into anybody else or having to slow down because there's another car near you yep you want to be hitting it as fast and as hard as you can for your entire qualifying lap and there are sort of three rounds to qualifying so there's like q1 which involves everyone and then there's a certain time cut off so they're like okay everyone who didn't make it to the certain time you're part of the back of the grid so yeah so every round of qualifying they drop five drivers from the grid so if you get in the top 15 in terms of time you make it out of q1 if you get it in the top 10 you make it out of q2 and qualifying sets position for the race start for a while it looked like we were going to maybe get something called a reverse grid for race starts where the higher up you placed, the further back you started. But they just nixed that this morning, in fact, that the reverse grid will not exist, which I'm really sad about because it would have been really cool. It would have been really cool. And also that provides teams who may not have the machinery that is up to par with top tier teams 
an opportunity to, you know, get a leg up and mm-hmm. be able to start in a position where they can, you know, make something of it. Yeah. So Saturday's qualifying determines where you start the race on Sunday. Sunday is race day. Um, a Formula One race cannot be longer than two hours, inclusive of any stops for um, safety cars, if somebody has a wreck and they have to clear a car off of the track, or if they have to stop for weather. They very rarely do stop for weather, but if they do, a, a race cannot go longer than two hours. At two hours, they whoever gets back to the start line first at that cutoff on whatever lap it is becomes the winner of that race. Um, I have never seen a race run over two hours in the time that I've been watching F1. I've watched one come very close yep. um, that had a really major accident which that took a really long time to clear up, clean away, and be able to get the race restarted uh, safely. But they did manage to complete that within the time frame. But otherwise, yeah, race day, everyone lines up on the grid in their cars and then they run their race and about an hour and 20 minutes or so later depending on which track they're at you know who the winner is certain tracks are considered faster or slower based on their design so there can be races where they're only running 55 laps or there are races where they're running 87 that's a big number 82 78 like like a larger um number because of the speed um, they're able to to round the track in. Yeah, and um, the distance of the track. So there's some races are run on purpose-built tracks that look more like a NASCAR track for, for listeners who may be more familiar with that. So they look like a racetrack. They're built to only be a racetrack and they exist all year long, wherever they are all the time. Other races are run on street circuits. Um, so like in Monaco, for instance, they close down a bunch of the streets in Monaco, put up barriers and stuff so that it's clear where the drivers are meant to be going, but they're just driving on like what is a regular city street and that's where the race is. So you can imagine a street circuit race has lots of tight roads, tight corners, it's windy, whereas some of these purpose-built tracks tend to be the faster ones. They're long, flowing curves, flowing shapes. So it adds a lot of variety over the course of a season, you know, drivers who are really skilled with tight cornering or even drivers who just have a car that's well built for tight cornering may perform amazing in a race like Monaco or in Singapore. Whereas if they don't have straight line speed that gets them going really fast on the faster circuits, they're not going to succeed somewhere like Abu Dhabi, which is all about straight line speed. Yeah, I I think that's really probably one of my favorite parts about formula one that it's kind of changing and different and there are some races that um not some races some tracks that you'll see every season but then there are some newer ones that are introduced or taken away or there's a lot of variety in it and it allows each individual driver of that 20 on the grid they're able to find a race where they can um finally or finally show off their skill set. Yeah, where they can really shine. Yeah. And especially once you bring the fact they're all in different global locations, so that also brings weather into it. Some drivers who might not be great in in dry conditions or hot conditions are incredible at driving in the rain. Yeah. And will come away as a race winner or, you know, come away with a podium that they never would have gotten if it hadn't rained during the race. And I think that's something else that I think is really fascinating about a sport because I you don't see that impact. First of all, so many sports are played indoors, so right. there is no weather component. Right. Um, but even ones that are sometimes played outdoors, it doesn't really change the level of skill the player has, what the weather conditions are. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, in driving, it... As much as all of the drivers do do practice and are, you know, they're all, don't get me wrong, all much better wet weather drivers than I am, for instance, they don't all maximize the same way. Yeah. Okay, so if you've made it through this podcast and you're thinking, maybe I should get into this, they've told me over and over that these drivers are hot yep. and that this sport is fun. If I wanted to get into it, how am I going to get into it? 
a couple suggestions. First of all, watch Drive to Survive on Netflix. Yeah. Just do it. Try an episode. Honestly, I've yet to show it to somebody and not have them want to keep watching it. But if you're looking for something even easier than that, just hop on over to your little Instagram page. Find that search bar wherever they've put it now. Because they keep moving <laughs> they it. They keep every single time I open it, it feels feel like it's in a different place. Um, and I think, you know, follow a couple of the drivers. I we can recommend some very popular options. Yeah, we can. We can. I <laughs> yeah. so one that I think you should follow, well, dear listener. Oh, go ahead. I think overall you should just follow Formula One. Oh yeah. Like I, I that's think that's probably bat. watching Drive to Survive is probably like the easiest form of education other than listening to us regurgitate it to mm-hmm. you. Um watching Drive to Survive and then following Formula One on Instagram. I it, this is like such a visual sport. That's probably the easiest. And it's yeah. the way that we find out the most news yeah and formula one on instagram is just at the letter f and the number one so that's a great like if you're looking to like learn more about the sport and read about the news of the sport etc um if you're looking for some hot drivers to follow yeah we have those recommendations too so if you like a little uh spanish flavor a little little spice as we say his nickname being chili um i can recommend carlos signs a ferrari driver number 55 on instagram Mm -hmm. great great instagram account great content there yeah i would also recommend lewis hamilton sir lewis sir lewis hamilton um it's l-e-w-i-s and then Hamilton, like the Tony Award winning musical. <laughs> musical. Musical. Um, I mean, he's he's at the top of his game. He's arguably one of the most decorated drivers. Um yeah. at this the point. The most decorated driver, I think. Yeah. And until he was he's like been training in the mountains or something, doing a lot of cross country skiing. Right. But before that, he was somewhere with a beach jogging shirtless on his stories like every day. Yeah. So that was some really good content, I think. Which I mean, I don't jog, but I think he's doing it right. Yeah. He looks like he's doing amazing at it. Yeah. I'm in big support of it. Um another Instagram account definitely uh take 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 a gander at uh daniel ricardo i mean he's truly what's bringing us all together he's the chocolate chip cookie of f1 racers like he's got those melty brown eyes Mm -hmm. he's got that aussie accent Mm -hmm. he introduces himself as like i'm daniel ricardo i'm a good looking racing driver so he's (laughs) self-aware he's incredibly self-aware maybe a little more self-aware than he needs to be but you know it's fine that's his that's him that's his brand yeah um, and then, and I then guess... I'm just going to throw out yeah. this one. Uh-huh. I'm going to throw out this one because I'm dying to know. <laughs> I'm going to say George Russell. Georgie Russell. George as I heard Russell. for the first time, I was listening to Will Buxton's Week in Review. Uh, I was watching his YouTube Week in Review. Will Buxton is a Formula One con- commentator. So yeah. I think he's that's a, really important to yeah, give context. Yeah, he's a media personality for the sport. Um, but he called him, it was the first time I'd ever heard anybody call him Georgie Russell. And I was like, I'm obsessed with that. I'm only referring to him as yeah. such. I I find I find Georgie to be a nice piece of eye candy. He shares a good number of shirtless photos, which I... Which a, I think he gets a load of crap for. He gets from, so much like, crap for. His Formula One and colleagues. so many so of them fine. also post shirtless photos. I don't understand. Like, if anything, Lewis Hamilton is posting more shirtless content. He's just doing it on the stories. Georgie has the confidence that's thrown on the grid. <laughs> it's on the grid. He's putting it right on his grid. Anyways. I just really wish I had a better fake British accent so that I could like say F1 things in a fake British accent. I but. I have recently discovered this about myself that mm-hmm. um that you have a good fake British accent. No, that I can't do any accent. <laughs> like at all. Like at all. Like like I can do like kind of for I'm from like kind of like the sticks in a way. Uh-huh. So like the back I can do like a little bit of like 
a twang uh-huh. but that's just like where i grew up right mm-hmm. i wish uh-huh. i could do like a beautiful british accent uh-huh. i think we're i gonna let... typically sound like someone from love island <laughs> but in a in a very like in like a, a yeah like a bad like in a bad way like i also can't do an accent and i'm so sorry to all the listeners particularly any european listeners like i yeah we have american accents we're gonna say like a lot of things wrong and i'm just so sorry and if any of the drivers would like to send us an audio clip of themselves saying their name so that we oh, don't yeah, that would say be really it wrong, helpful, actually. that'd be great because like we do Charles our research, Leclerc, we just can't do it justice. I have heard his name said 67,000 times in <laughs> different... <laughs> okay, Charles Char- Leclerc, right? Char- Leclerc. My dad, but I've my dad refers to him as Chuck Leclerc. <laughs> oh, <gee. laughs> Chuck, Chuck, and Chucky. he gets, he like he's like Chuck Leclerc, and I'm just like, like that he's is a NASCAR so driver. <laughs> yes, like he's. But my dad also um, falls asleep every race. Yeah, because he's like, I wake up, I see them go, you know, yeah, lights out, and uh-huh. away we go, and away we go, and then, um, and then he's like, I, you know, open one of my eyes, uh-huh. they're still going. I wake up and they're on the podium. Uh huh. And he's like, and it's great. <laughs> I'm like, this is how you consume the sport. Meanwhile, I'm over here waking up at all the all crack of dawn of the day. Um, you know, trying to to be there and be live because I know if I open my Instagram, it'll ruin it for me. Yeah, I watch every. I've been. I watched all of the 2020 races live because I've my phone's gotten to the point I can't open it until i've seen the race yeah because it's not even just instagram anymore now it's like all of my my whole internet also my friends but also my whole internet knows so like all of my like push news push notifications it like sends me racing news yeah i like can't look at my email i just can't touch the phone so i have to watch the races live there's no other choice the worst is um is when i oversleep Uh uh-huh or I'm like, ooh, I really can't watch this one specific race. Like, I have something to do this Sunday morning. I can't do it. And I've not informed you or any of my other friends. Uh-huh. And <laughs> you I text tried, me something. But Kate has gotten really courteous and is just I like, try so hard. results. Yeah. The results. And I'm like, what? And she's like, just let me know when you watch it, please. <laughs> yeah, I try because one time I also I did this to my father because like he doesn't watch a lot of the races because he gets honestly he's just like so angry anytime Mercedes wins, and so he Which like is all the time. Yeah, so he like won't watch the races because he doesn't want to watch Lewis Hamilton win again. Mm-hmm. So I'll sometimes text him or like send him a group chat message about the race, and then he's like so butthurt because he was gonna watch it, and I'm like, well, I had no idea you never watch him. But yeah, so when I text Kennedy about a race and I'm not sure if she's watching it or not, I just I I it's only I don't know nouns. I don't use and I don't refer to anybody or any team. I'm just like results. <laughs> it's really fascinating. It's, it's just actually adjectives. like I think I think that's when I knew that like we were real friends because and just like at you like there was actual love here. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because I'm like I'm not gonna spoil the race for you. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Lights Out. Come back next week. We'll be recapping the 2020 season highlights for you. We're really excited to have you along with us for the 2021 season and welcome you into the fan base for Formula One.